This is getting better and better. Get some recipes. Look at that. Yes, sir. You haven't peaked yet. Mmm, I just can't, mm, I just can't wait. That's a lesson that games are not played on paper. No. But they're played on the field. I told you guys, I told you. I told you. Welcome to Evolve, a lifestyle brand that disrupts conventional thinking and challenges you to evolve your soul, evolve your body, evolve your mind, and evolve your tribe. And now, it's time to disrupt. You have value, and you are not alone. When I close my eyes, I can see a whole different world. Wow, yeah. that's what I want to do, man. All right. Well, Corey, when we uh, the way we get started here is we tend to keep it uh, fairly casual at the beginning. We kind of like to start our, our uh, show by asking our guests what's inspiring them. Um, so is there is there music you're listening to? Is there a book you're reading or is there a person in your life that's inspiring you? What's inspiring Corey, uh, Corey Goodwin today? Uh, one is my wife right now because she's a school teacher in this environment. So. Uh, mm. She inspired me by what she does and still going after her job with some passion um, and teaching these kids, especially with all the politics and the bureaucratic environment of what's happening, especially in Clark County School District. So for her to keep her head on straight and take care of, she works in a lower socioeconomic area, what's called a Title I school. Oh, yeah. um, and so, um, yeah, she's just, uh, she's getting after it. and still showing up each day for those kids and spreading motherly love to them, which is what they need in an, in an environment like this right now. Um, yeah. More than just the, you know, the normal scholastics and they're still being held to the same standards. The teachers are still being held to the same standards to get results out of these kids as if it weren't a pandemic. Um, and so just the chaos of being at home, having four kids and then trying to do that all at the same time, she definitely inspires me at this moment. Yeah, that is inspirational. It's, uh, I, I, my heart goes out to teachers at this time. My next door neighbors, uh, husband and wife, they're both teachers. And I was talking to them uh, not long ago about when the pandemic happened and they pushed everybody to online school. And she said, you know, Steve, I was fortunate. Uh, I had uh, about 80% of my students that would still come online and they would still finish their, um, all of their assignments she said but my husband he's had less than 30 percent of his class that will jump online and do any of their assignments and he teaches in a lower socioeconomic uh school and it's just it's tough you know they you're right these kids need more of that mothering they need more uh, to be taken care of in a different way than what uh what i think we're used to yeah, I mean, we even ran to it with, you know, with our own children, too. It's like you're expecting these six, eight-year-olds to jump online, and a lot of them don't have any supervision. Mom right. and pop do whatever they can to go out and make money to support everything. So you got, you know, older sisters that are maybe a year or two year older, older brothers, year or two older. Uh, sometimes, you know, unfortunately, parents that don't care but about themselves and it just creates this chaotic environment. Kids showing up, you know, in bed and their mom's right in bed next to them and they're on a computer screen. Um, you know, it's just, and, and that's one story, you know, kids falling asleep on there and then expecting these kids to show up 
and when they have all the freedom that an adult may have at that particular period of time without that structure and organization. So I think she's done a phenomenal job of still engaging her kids and still getting them, you know, to show up, especially when school went back. So, um, you know, that's, that's definitely inspiring at this particular point in time. Plus yeah, then we have yeah. all our own chaos at home, <laughs> you know? So, right. Right. Yeah. yeah well, good, not. good, good for her. That's great <laughs> to hear that uh, she's, she's your inspiration. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve podcast, a podcast that challenges personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges life throws at us. Still singing happy birthday to himself is the birthday boy himself, <laughs> W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Thank you. And continued happy birthday to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and constantly sweating throughout the day in the spring heat of Las Vegas, Nevada is Casey Mitchell. Welcome, Casey. Yeah, I already changed my shirt twice this morning. It's only 6.30. So we're yeah, you're glistening. That's beautiful. <laughs> and still wondering when the real Slim Shady will stand up. I'm in the mountains of Utah. I'm Steve Cutler. Today's guest is Corey Goodwin. Welcome, Corey. We're excited to have you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, Corey Goodwin is a world-class performance specialist with a national reputation and leading-edge performance training. One of Corey's greatest passions is building sustainable training habits into the lives of everyday athletes, leading to an increased level of daily performance. He specializes in practical fundamentals and state-of-the-art performance techniques. He integrates speed and agility training, strength and endurance, total body recognition, or excuse me, regeneration, movement efficiency, sport-specific wellness and injury prevention with performance nutrition to maximize an athlete's performance. All this plus a focus on mental toughness. Corey has deep expertise working with the everyday athlete, executives, world-class professionals, national amateur and collegiate champions, and aspiring junior athletes to a wide range of sports. He relates to unique challenges that each of his clients have as a result of their personal experience or his personal experience as a collegiate athlete. Corey's clients include the MLB, NBA, NFL, PGA, UFC, MMA, LPGA, MLS, and ATP professionals. As the former performance manager for the athletes performance in Las Vegas, he worked with Kevin Garnett, Chauncey Billups, Kyle Lowry, and many others. Since being the owner and founder of Grit Performance, he has worked with many elite professionals, including tennis pro, I'm not sure if I'm going to say this right, Jelena Jankovic, is that correct? All right, you said it better than I did, and Evan Song, MLB pitcher. <laughs> Chad Gowden, UFC fighters, Evan uh, Dunham, uh, Kevin Lee, WSOF fighter, Jimmy uh, Spicuza, and many more. Corey's also directed athletes' performance training team for the Los Angeles Dodgers spring training, and he received a bachelor's degree in kinesiology and exercise science from California State University, San Bernardino. He resides currently in Las Vegas with his wife and four children. And Corey, we are excited to talk to you today. So, Corey, you've obviously worked with several athletes. And in working with athletes, uh, there's an there, there's an old adage out there that says you rather than guess, you need to assess. So, 
what assessments do you take your clients through uh, before you put a coaching plan together? Uh, it depends on who we're working with. Um, as you've read, like there's such a wide array of my clientele. So it's not like I specifically work with one, you know, athlete population. Um, mm -hmm. and, it, and it depends what level they're on. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like the old answer, you know, it depends. Um, nevertheless, in general, uh, we'll use a functional movement screen, which is just kind of a basic seven body assessment, takes a look at the body from head to toe. Uh, and it gives us an idea if there's any red flags that show up. If there's something that needs to be addressed before they jump into a training program. Um, that can be for guys like us. It can be for, you know, youth athletes, collegiate athletes, pros. So generally start there. Um, and then we go into an array of performance, you know, testing from VO2 max testing to, you know, maximal strength testing to endurance, other endurance tests. Again, it just kind of depends where we are um, starting and who the athlete is. Now, how common is it for you to have athletes come to you where they've got some sort of pre-existing condition, some sort of injury where you have to adapt your, um, your assessments and your program to that? Uh, it's very common. Uh, matter of fact, that's why a lot of people come to some people like me, because there is something that's ailing them or something that's impeding their performance. So what can they do? They're looking for something cutting edge or a lot of times in my case, I don't know how this ended up coming about. It just ended up being that way, but they've already gone through three or four or five different options. And then somehow I end up being the next option um, of looking to find something that directs or uh, attacks the issue that is keeping them from performing. And so then we figure out a way. And then if, if for whatever reason I'm not able to, I have so many resources, fortunately for me, because of my career and because of the people that I've run into along my career, that I can generally figure out whether it's myself or through one of my resources, how to help that individual. Yeah, that's great. It, uh, and I loved your answer of it depends, because that, that really is the right answer. Uh, it depends on the individual and depends on the sport. Uh, what about young athletes? I know that, uh, Casey, you're, you're, uh, is it your daughter or your son, is, son has worked with Corey? Your son's worked with Corey. Yep. So, uh, Corey, walk us through some of the process that you do with young athletes. How do you assess them and prep them for whatever their sport is? So they, they may come in and um, like for our summer programs, it's a little bit more general, uh, but they may come in and we'll use a basic long-term athletic development process that was actually established by Dan Baker, who's a Australian rules rugby uh, uh, strength and conditioning coach. He worked for the Broncos, I believe, um, out in uh, Australia and the guy's a genius. So we've adapted some of his methodology and so we take a look at a basic performance assessment from, you know, 10% of your body weight squats in a minute and what that number looks like. And, mm. and then we also take a look at, you know, pull-ups and push-ups. Also take a look at what's called a pistol squat, which is a single leg squat, uh, a basic hover or plank position. And then those kind of numbers set a foundation or a base to allow us to see where that child is or where that child athlete is. And then from there, we can begin to build their program. As a child, though, coming in, there's some things that they're going to need. Unfortunately, today in today's society, youth sports has become so much so specialized at such an early age that they're only exposed to those particular movements of that particular sport. 
-hmm. And so it doesn't end services, which is also why I believe you see a lot of burnout in youth sport today. Yeah. Because it's just that season. Remember when we were all back young spring chickens, we would go from one season to the next season to the next season to the next season, maybe get a little bit of a break in the summer and do it all over again. Well, in that, there's mental breaks in there. Not only that, you're being exposed to different cognitions. So it might be eye-foot coordination, eye-hand coordination, uh, different types of cutting and changing direction, different types of top-in speed, physical contact. And when we have sports specialized so young today, they just get those movements, that brain cognition, that grinding of the same patterning. Oh yeah, yeah, by the way, that same car ride home after games and practices that they're getting drilled by their parents. And then you wonder why our kids are having more injuries, why they're you know mentally breaking down sooner, why they're quitting sports. And it, it's just, it's kind of the chaos of what is right now. So we address, come back full circle, we do that assessment, but we make sure that these kids are learning how to be better movers, better human movers, and for youth, you just got to keep it fun, especially yeah. in today's time, man. Yeah. It's yeah. so chaotic. Yeah. Like, what are these kids doing for fun? And yeah. what can we do to add to that? So it's really important yeah. for us. I got a coach that helps me out, but it's really important for us that we bring that to each training session and bring that energy to each cha- training session so we keep these young kids engaged in addition to all the other stuff I just talked about. You know, it's it's. In, I love that you said that, Corey, about – the fun part and you and I've had a lot of discussions about this kind of stuff but I can tell you that my son when I pick him up from one of Corey's trainings two things he can barely walk and get into the truck and two (laughs) he has a huge smile on his face and I said did you have fun he goes yeah it was a blast it was a blast and so that's awesome you know having a young kid at age 12 go through the type of discipline workout that Corey's program's doing and to and that his comment is I had a blast he doesn't even realize the kind of grind he's putting he's going through and what he's learning because he's just having fun and I think the body and the mind responds so much better to that type of emotion than it does like well I just I just got to do one more rep you know just focusing on the pain of the of the situation instead of the fun I think is huge I love that. So. Yeah, I think, Corey, you, you're, you're still in the thick of it. I think, you know, when I left my career in coaching and training, I was, I, w- I, I still could say no to some of these overzealous parents who would come in and think that their kid was going to become the next NBA star. Uh, because my personal philosophy was like what you're talking about. They need to have fun and they need to be involved in multiple sports, multiple activities to get them moving for life. Um, I started to see that shift. And then that was when I shifted from the uh, coaching part of the, you know, health and fitness to more of the managerial side of managing a club. And so having been in that for as long as you have, Talk a little bit more about this. We, we've seen so many uh, sports, whether it's baseball, football, whatever, become so competitive for kids at a, at a young age. What is this doing to the psyche of the kids? What is this doing to their bodies as we're specializing at an earlier age? Uh, I think it's doing a few different things. One, like we talked about just a moment ago, you're seeing more injuries. Uh, and then... The other thing that happens is also more burnout. And then the other thing that happens is they're not as good of athletes 
as what we used to make um, mm. kids used to be again because they're not exposed to those multiple sets of coordination brain decisioning uh the focus too for athletes believe it or not and and not just our youth athletes but our professional and uh collegiate athletes as well the focus that we expect these kids to have uh is it's just and their focus in general it's kind of all over the place Mm. they're not able to have the mental acuity to stay locked in you know locked in or in a, in a high focus <clears throat> for a particular period of time so you see that you know basically dwindling or less than maybe what it used to be um, and then if you think about that from like what these kids are exposed to whether it's gaming on their phones whether it's social media whether it's you know whatever the case may be if you look at social media, I'll just take that for a quick moment. You take a look at social media, we're scrolling, we're teaching ourselves to scroll. Like to the average marketing, I think you have seven to, and it might even be less than this, but it's like seven to eight seconds to capture somebody on whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever it is. So these kids will get on scrolls, but they'll scroll for hours at a time with a seven to eight second or less focus. And so they're training their brain to focus for six seconds, five seconds, two seconds, seven seconds, but they're doing that for hours. And then when they come to a, a sporting event or a training session, then it's also, you got to lock in, you got to focus. And their parents are getting mad up there yeah. because they're looking over somewhere else or they're not yeah. in, in, the, in the sport. Their coaches are getting heated at them. And it's like, from a coaching perspective, from a parenting perspective, let's take a, a, a look at what the considerations are just besides saying, hey, focus, hey, focus, or you're not focusing. Well, let's take a look at why and then address that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's it. That'd be a hard thing to um, uh, to get rid of. Let yeah. me ask a, a real quick question in this because that makes sense. But are there any benefits to what's happening? You know, in terms of evolutions, we, we really don't don't know where we are on the spectrum, you know, because right. things are happening so fast. So we, we know the negative consequences, but in those negative consequences, is there a gem of something that's changing for the better in that? And this, like, I, I'm just spitballing here because I, I notice a lot of times when we have these conversations about what's going wrong, somewhere hidden in there, is there the, a benefit to all of this stuff because we are evolving? You know, let's face it, where will we be 100 years from now? Right. And could the little gem that's happening right now inside of all this, the negative side, side effects, is there this gem that's 10 years from now, all of a sudden these kids explode into something we've never seen? Right. So yes, I would say yes, because we'll take it back to us again. When we're back and, and kind of how we evolved, we didn't have a lot of skills coaches per se at those times, right? right? right. right. Mm -hmm. we those coaches available to us. We just went to the next sport and our coach was our skills coach. He was our, yeah. you know, our coach coach. He was our strength and conditioning coach. Our coach was everything for us. Right. And then it was the next coach and then the next coach and the next coach and so on and so forth. Well, in this day and age, what happens is now you're having the more specialized training, yes, but now you're exposed to some elite level training, performance coaching training, patterning, rituals, 
uh, learning how to take care of your body, depending on where you go, depending on, you know, there's bad apples and good apples and everything. So depending on what you're being exposed to, but you're being exposed to some uh, habits that will set you up that if you can stay kind of diligent with these habits from a work ethic standpoint, from a discipline standpoint, from an enjoyment standpoint and getting that balance of those things, then you go into college now with some of those habits, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you go into the next stage of your life with some of those habits. So there is definitely some benefit uh, to that. From my perspective, that's yeah. what I see for those kids that are dedicated in that kind of, you know, that walk of life with their parents taking them through. Um, and then even though sometimes there's crazy parents out there, there's also those parents that support their kids that are dedicated to their kids and their, and the kids can see that love. And there's a little bit more connection, whether it be mm. you know, mom, dad, uh, you know, mom and dad relationships or mom and son, whatever the case may be with their yeah. kids, but they're getting a more united kind of uh, front from that standpoint too. So I, I do yeah. think there are some mm. benefits. It's not all negative, but when we talk about overuse injury and those types of things, that's where I was kind of, you yeah. know, that, some of the other negative side of things. You know, miles to your, point your question there is i'm glad I'm, i like how you answer that Corey, because i have watched your program with my my son in it and i've told him several times like i said look you're you're 10 11 12 years old i said there's stuff you're doing that i didn't even know existed till i got to do college <laughs> yeah. to call it to college football and the strength and conditioning coach started doing that but i was 20 years old as you're yeah. doing stuff for your body that's really good for your body now and, and that's that trajectory, right? That tra trajectory is much different than when we were in youth sports or even, even high school sports. Cause we didn't have, like, you just show up to the, you show up to the weight room and try to figure it right. out in high school. Right. Like <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I can walk out of here. I don't hurt myself. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to lift that. I'm going to put four Oh five and see what happens. You know? It's they just, were killing us. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. I mean, how many yeah. guys you know, grown up with, now are like they can't move their arms above their head, or they can't. I mean, this, they just killed themselves by doing everything wrong from ages fourteen to eighteen in the gym. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, no, I mean, the I only people it. that helped you were the people that maybe shouldn't have been able to help you. I remember you know, a guy yeah. who went to the gym uh, when I was a kid. And there were the old school lifters there. Yeah. And I remember some of these guys were like, well, you got to work your neck. Let me show you how to work your neck. And they you know, strap some plate to your neck and have you do these side to side. And yeah. I mean, yeah. it was crazy. And they're the exact opposite of the people. Yeah. 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 I remember cute. doing the squats and my squats were more like left, right squats. I didn't go up and down. My body slid side to side. side to so nobody there little, and nobody to correct you. Yeah. Little I dream of genie squats, huh? <laughs> right. So Corey, let's let's talk about how you prep your athletes for a season. I mean, you've got you've got athletes from all different sports. Um, what, what's the what's the season prep look like? Um, I'll start just because it's a little bit easier. Again, when you talk about youth sports unfortunately for those guys Never there stops. is not an off season right like mm. and this goes back to i mean i don't mean to harp on the negative it's just what is right we'll just call it neutral thinking versus negative or positive it's just what right. is. and what is in youth sport today is there is not an off season so these guys don't get an off season maybe they get a couple weeks in the summer 
Um, but in general, they, they're not having an off season to their seasons because it's so year, year round. So I'll take from that preparation part, I'll stop there. And then let's go to the professional realm. So when we were with, um, you know, back in like 2008, 2009, and we were prepping like NBA off season guys, um, what we would do is they would come in the first couple of weeks is just really putting their body back together. So they're working with the physical therapist, they're addressing their nutritional needs with a sports nutritionist, um, and then they're working on the performance. But in general, you're doing for the first couple of weeks in, a, in an NBA veteran situation, um, you're putting them back together. Uh, you're helping them establish a foundation, and then you're going from there into then some of the components that they, they need. And, and just depending on what your time frame is, generally within the NBA, depending on when guys arrive, you have about eight to 12 weeks uh, mm -hmm. during that particular period of time. And so you're then breaking those down into maybe like a two week push segment, you know, three week foundation. Then you get a week where you kind of unload them and then you go into the next phase. It, it would be, that would be kind of like a typical um, you know, process, but your, your emphasis is different. And then you're getting them not to be peaked out for those guys, again, depending on what's going on. Cause you got guys that are trying to make teams. You got guys that are, you know, solid on team. Um, and then you have guys that just have different roles on team. So again, there, the individuals depends on what their yeah. preparation, but some guys need to be soon as training camp starts, they got to be ready to go. Other guys, you just got to make sure that you're providing a foundation for them to be able to go have a successful in-season and go with their in-season coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, physical therapists, et cetera. Now, it, let's talk about that for a second. So when you're prepping some of these professional athletes, let's uh, and maybe we can stay with NBA because I worked with a few NBA players back in the day and prepped them. And um, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this where you may have a process and a protocol that you're going through. And then you know what they're going to go back to. And it may not be something that aligns with what your philosophy or your protocol is. Um, how do you have that conversation with your athletes? I usually reach out to the strength coach or the physical therapist of their team. And I have conversations okay. with them. Uh, we're fortunate in the day of the uh, age of technology. Um, and because it's become such a big money business, especially the, the MBA, that these strength coaches are kind of monitoring where their guys are uh, nowadays um, in general, and they'll have visits with them, et cetera. So I think open lines of communication are great so that you can make sure. And I think this is one thing that I've really learned about in my career, but you want to make sure that you're sending them into a, uh, an environment with some tools, right? Understanding mm -hmm. the team's philosophy, methodology, um, you know, et cetera, what the grind is of day in and day out practices. I mean, they have a lot of monitoring systems now that they haven't had in the past, mm -hmm. but make sure you understand what those things are. And then, and then taking what the athlete desires, because if a, an NBA athlete comes to me and I just focus on what he needs, I will not, I will not unequivocally be able to reach that man with, with what he needs. Hmm. because I'm not focusing on the things that he desires or that he wants for himself going into or herself if it's WNBA going into the next season. And NBA is such a different population. You literally have the eye of a needle to catch their attention. You hmm. literally wow. have that wow. amount of opportunity. And if you miss that opportunity, you are done. So you can no longer have an impact 
on that person going into the season. So there's so many factors that go into that preparation and being willing to dive into those factors. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a great analogy to talk about the eye of the needle because it yeah. really is a very, very short period of time. But let's talk, we've talked professional. Let's talk a little bit about the weekend warriors. So I, I know you mentioned before, you've got a lot of weekend warriors. You've got some adult athletes. Um, walk, walk us through the training process protocol. What do you, who are some of these people? Uh, is it uh, marathon runners? Is it people who are trying to compete in a CrossFit game? Uh, uh, who are some of the adult weekend warriors that you're working with? So if we, if we go through like what people want in general, right? Like consider yeah. age group or, you know, mostly it's our guys that most of the population I work with, the older population I work with is from about, you know, mid thirties, to as, as old as 75, but uh, in general, it's from, you know, 30 to about 55, 56 right now. Okay. Those people, which, you know, we can fit into that bracket. What I like to address is what do they want? Same thing. What are they looking for? And some people it's, I want to feel better. Some people it's, I want to move better. Some people it's, I want to look better. And then some people it's, I want to play better. So I take hmm. whatever kind of aspect they are and I put that at the priority of their, their learning curve or what they wanted, their desires. And then we uh, put the program based off of that. A lot of people, like you were talking about, Casey, how many people can lift their hands up or their, their shoulders yeah. up to a certain A lot of people want to feel better. That's yeah. where we start. Uh, a lot of people just want to feel better day <laughs> in and day out. So we go yeah. through those basic assessments and, allow us to see if there's any limiting factors or what may be creating more stress. You know, you look at the opioid thing, it's not just a childhood thing that's, that's been going on as far as the opioid addiction and, and you wanna talk about a, a real true pandemic, um, epidemic. The opioid um, process is because a lot of people are in pain and they don't know what to do with the pain. Mm. Yeah, and it just trickles down. You know, I had a, a, unfortunately I had an athlete of mine, um, a professional baseball player. His father was in so much pain uh, day in and day out and couldn't do anything with it that he killed himself. He uh, shot himself yeah. in the head because he couldn't live with the pain anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, again, for whatever the reason may be, when people come to see me, it's just usually what I get is people looking to to feel better and move better. It really is an epidemic. I mean, the opioids and then the, the mental um, uh, challenges that come with it. I mean, suicide has risen at epidemic levels over the last five, 10 years. And um, so when, you, when you've got somebody that's coming to you that's in pain, that has uh, maybe beat their body up through um, athletics or, or other, other reasons. How do you, how do you help to train them and get them out of pain? What's the process you go through? One of the first things I do is I try to understand their history. And I think this is different about what we do at grit than, than most places. They'll come in, they'll say, okay, what do you do from a profession? Uh, they'll, they'll maybe say, uh, you know, what's your desires? What do you want to do? Most people uh, in general in the world is they want to lose weight, uh, you know, and, and so they address those factors, but they don't really get to know who their people are. And what I try to do is when I sit down, we do what's called a strategy session and sitting down and doing that strategy session, we take a look at what their history is. Did you play sports when you grow up? 
Mm -hmm. Environment like, what do you do now for a profession? What do you do? What are the patterning that led to the injury in the first place or led to some of the complications in the first place? So we can address those because it'll get me an understanding of how to put their program together. Um, and not just going with the boot camp beat down type of effect where you're going to go in for at most 90 days. And then the next thing you know, you're worse off than when you came in. Yeah. yeah. All with the goal of trying to, whether it be lose weight or feel better. And now it's like, oh, this is going to feel better. I trust this guy. Or I trust this girl, whatever may be the case. And next thing you know, after, you know, five, six weeks, you're like, man, this is for the birds. I'm out of here. I feel way worse or I don't have as much energy or whatever the case may be. Yeah. It's pretty common though in our day and age. And, and I, I hear you loud and clear on that, that the, when you, when you see people that are within our age range, you know, we grew up in the no pain, no gain mindset. <laughs> and so, so many people in that age range between thirties and fifties, uh, will jump onto programs, whether it's CrossFit or those types of programs, bootcamp programs, where it's just go hard, balls to the wall, you don't care about anything, it's just no pain, no gain, and then they're injured, and they stop, and then they gain another 20 or 30 pounds. So talk about the mental shift, the disruption that you have to do in their mindset to, to get them to slow down and be um, Miles has shown our disrupt t-shirt there. How do you disrupt their mindset? Yeah, right. So how do you disrupt that mindset to get them to evolve to a different way of training? So the first thing I get people to do uh, in our demographic is when they come in, usually like if they're type A or even in general, usually they have like this whole mindset of, I got to do this. I got to do this. I'm not doing this. So I got to do this. Well, I'm not doing this. So I got to do whatever the case may be, whether it's eating, whether it's I'm not exercising, whatever the case may be. My first thing to disrupt their mindset is, hey, man, you got one, one assignment from me. You got one homework assignment. I just need you to show up. Just show up. Show up for 90 days. Show up for the first month. And then we'll start addressing all those things. But the reason why you're here is because you don't have the habit in the first place in general. Right. And so what can we do to just set the foundation? And it takes so much weight off of people to a big extent. It's like, okay, all I got to do is show up. And then we'll start getting into addressing, you know, your nutrition or get into addressing, really addressing, you know, a next performance. If there's something that you want to go after, you know, whether it be a marathon or triathlon or whatever the case may be. So it's just understanding that the first thing I need you to do is show up. And that kind of disrupts and takes some pressure off of those, you know, those people that feel like they're just overwhelmed in that space. Yeah, what a, what a great perspective. And you've talked about in your bio and it's on your website where you're talking about that you want to help people to create sustainable and, uh, and habits that will continue throughout their life. You want people to be able to have these movement patterns and these habits so that they can exercise and stay healthy for life. So beyond just showing up, what else are you doing to help people create these healthy habits, uh, whether it's movement or nutrition? What does that process look like? So in the strategy session, we have an intake of whether it be hydration, you know, kind of their daily activities, where those, where those things are. We also talk about their whys and their what's in our strategy session. And so we break that down. And so we're able to then 
use their whys and their what's with our knowledge of, you know, science, nutrition, sports, et cetera, uh, movement. Uh, and we take those things and then put them into their whys and their what's. And then that helps them, you know, kind of change the patterning of where they've been to help them getting them to go where they desire to be. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that learning that it's a patient process and what they do want to create is sustainability because again, our society, unfortunately, we're looking for this quick fix, this quick fix, right. fix. And when we don't get that quick fix, a lot of times because of our focus, again, we go to the next, what's the next quick fix? This one yeah. wasn't working. So what's yeah. the next quick one I can go to? Uh, I mean, Isn't that funny to think about, though? Like okay. somehow there's a quick fix, but yet we're still going to live another 30, 40 or 50 years. But we want something fixed right now. It's like, what are you going right. to do for the rest of your life? Well, right. I'm fixed. I'm fixed now. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. And so that's how, <laughs> that's how we disrupt the mindset is yeah. the beginning of the program that, hey, look, like I, I may not, our program may not be for everybody. It may not be. And we're okay with that. But we know that if you stick with this, you're going to create something that's sustainable in your life that for some reason you're on our doorstep for. Yeah. I think that's kind of tied into the name of your company, right? Grit. You right. got to stick with it. You got to have some grit. Yes, I'm thinking of the irony of the quick fix. And then, and then, you know, recently we come up with this vaccine, which is a quick fix. And everybody's like, I'm not taking that. It's too quick. Yeah. 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 Too quick. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so true. I went there a little bit as well. That's a whole nother podcast right there right right <laughs> that's a actually series. called the quick fix that would be a great title we'll only we'll only spend <laughs> seven or eight seconds on a seconds. topic <laughs> right right seven or eight seconds and then we're done we got to capture you we're on to the next thing man where's my next fix yeah oh my so god one of the questions like a great idea one of the questions i'd like to ask uh people who can fit fitness for a long time is uh, what what are some things about health and fitness and training that you used to believe that you no longer believe ah good question um that is a great question but there's I, uh, no quick fix yeah <laughs> there, there is there is no quick fix but i was fortunate for myself and my own journey i'll, I'll start here it's a little bit long-winded story and you guys can chop it up how you want um but uh when i was in college um I was just coming off a pretty traumatic situation in my own life. I was actually, in, this is part of my story, so I'll just share it. But I was coming out of drug and alcohol rehabilitation at 20 years old. Mm. I had spent over uh, about a year and a half going through that process. So when I got out of that process, I actually jacked my knee up. I was playing softball and um, I went to pivot and I dislocated, just shredded my knee to pieces. Oh. Ooh. Then I was just getting ready to go back into baseball at that time because I jumped into treatment at, at 20. I stopped playing baseball at about 19, and I was just getting ready to go back into baseball at that particular point in time in life. So what could have thrown me right back into the trials and tribulations that I was facing before actually ended up springboarding me into what I do today because I went to some people at a baseball camp, and then these guys were strength and conditioning, performance coach specialists, physical therapists, and the care and the love that they had for me, man, was absolutely just unbelievable. So mm. they kind of charged me. Um, I was like, man, I want, I want to go have that type of impact on people. 
Yeah. And so they just kind of charged me to be able to do the things, you know, that I, that I'm doing today. And so that led me down the path and the road to make the impact on people that I make today because they had such a different uh, effect on me at that time. Yeah. What a cool story. I, you know, my, my story in terms of how I got into fitness in a way was very similar. I had a few injuries here and there. Uh, I had injured my back it hurt my, um, uh, my neck at one point, my knees, like I would just had these injuries. And so I figured I, I want to figure out how to fix these problems. And so I started going down that path of how to fix a problem. And then that led me to over time becoming a person that would fix the problems for athletes. Um, so yeah, I can definitely relate to where you're, where you're coming from there. So then to come back full circle to the, to the question and directing that question, um, from my perspective at that particular point in time, the myth for me was that one doctors were the gold standard, right? That no matter what the yeah. doctor said, no matter what the doctor said, that was what you did. Uh, mm. and, and also too, um, and, and you don't have to have surgery on everything. Uh, <laughs> right. There is a last resort to that. But one of those myths for me was that I had to do that. Uh, that you had to do exactly what the doctor said, exactly how the doctor said. But a lot of times the doctor doesn't understand what goes on the other side of the coin. And there's a mm -hmm. whole thing that's tied into why they want to cut you on, cut into you on the, in the first place. Right. Um, and so it's really at that time, what I really learned in the beginning is doctors are incredibly smart. They spend a lot of time doing what they do, but they're just as human as we are. And they're tied into other things that kind of, form their decision-making process as well. It's not always just about the person that they're working with. Yeah. Yeah. So to be able to explore what that looks like, find out the why and say, okay, is this something that I absolutely need and being able to gather my resources around me to make those decisions. So that's definitely one thing. The other thing I learned is I had an uncle who was a professional bodybuilder and had an uncle who was a professional baseball player. Hmm. And, they exposed me to performance enhancing drugs when I was young. And I thought that that was the way to go be a professional in your craft. Mm. So that myth has also been dispelled. Do they help you? 100%. No doubt about it. Do you feel like you're superhuman, et cetera, et cetera? Yes. But there's a more sustainable approach that you can go through that allows you to perform at an unbelievably human, uh, godly uh, level. Um, and I've learned that from some of the people that I have surrounded with me now. And that is true, you know, sports and science and, and human development and being able to get the most out of human potential. And so that's a whole different ballgame. So that's another myth. You don't have to have awesome. performance enhancing drugs in order to be a professional athlete at the most elite level, even mm -hmm. though that's part of what, you know, we see in the world today. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What a great perspective. And I, I think we grew up in the same, same era. We saw a lot of people where that became, yeah. uh, that did become the norm. And yeah. at a certain point that blew up. And then you also see, as you were talking about the other end of, uh, what doctors do with surgeries, but you also see the other end of what happens with people who were doing performance enhancing drugs. There is a price to pay later on in life. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of those guys uh, are paying that price significantly it's, now. It's it's almost as if your performance outstrips your body. 
Yeah. Because yeah. the drug affects yeah. your drug, the drugs, whatever performance enhancing methodology you're using strips, it, it takes you to a place that the body has not yet caught up with. And, and then over years, over yeah. time, the body's just going to, it's, and it's, it's play as it's almost obvious to me and i've never thought mm -hmm. of it that way that these performance enhancing drugs they make you do things that the body really hasn't created sustainability to do where right. the methods it seems like Corey's talking about oh let's start with the body to create your performance enhancement and now when you are enhanced your body is going along for the ride where the drug, your mind is going for the ride, but your body hasn't caught up yet. And there's a price to pay for that that deficit later mm -hmm. on. You know, it's interesting. Go ahead, Corey. Go ahead. I would say well said. And, and then it becomes down to, it comes down to mental performance too, right? Like, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. The body and the mind connection. And a lot of times, believe it or not, the body can tell there's a whole philosophy out there called functional range systems, but there's the body can actually tell the mind and the brain what to do versus yeah. Yeah. so there's this combination that the, the mind body relationship, the brain body relationship has and understanding what that is to unlock human performance. And, and that's really where it is, you know, yeah, yeah. That's wow. really where it is because there's a lot of guys that did steroids and stuff. I was one of them, performance enhancing drugs, thinking that it's going to lead to that process. But ultimately, it's the mind that actually leads them to that right. process because the mind is the limiting or enhancing factor moving forward. Because you get yeah. to a yeah. level where a lot of physical attributes on people are very, very elite. But how do you separate yourself in that in that eliteness? How do you make yourself the elite of the elite and yeah. that generally starts with the mind it has to be in the mind yeah well and you know i i'm, I'm going to completely chop this thing up um because it's been so many years since i read this study but there was a there was a study that came out in the journal of uh, strength and conditioning years and years ago where some researchers started looking at knee injuries with uh nfl uh, athletes. And specifically, they were looking at knee injuries relative to those who had been on performance enhancing drugs. And what they found was that so many of these NFL athletes were getting so strong, so big, because they were using performance enhancing drugs, their muscles, then the power and the force that they could generate through the muscle could not be sustained through the ligaments and the tendons. And they were literally ripping ligaments and tendons off of the bone when they would just plant to do some sort of shift or some sort of movement. And so it was fascinating to read that um, while these drugs can help in the short term, it was, I mean, they were literally tearing bone off of bone because the ligament couldn't withstand the force that the, that the uh, quad or the hamstring was generating. Um, and so, you know, you weren't getting total physical development you were just shortcutting a process and then you were getting part of the body that would say, nope, we can't do this. And Corey, you, you talked earlier, and one of the things that Casey has mentioned that he's learned from watching how you train is that you do focus on the whole body. And it's not just about strength training, but prevention of injuries and kind of pre-training is an important aspect of what you do. So talk to us a little bit about how do you set people up so that they can continue to train for a long time the i think the one thing 
um, that I've learned in the professional realm is that there's in general, not all the time, but a lot of times professionals will rely on the person that's in charge of them to take care of their body, whether it's massage, whether mm. it's stretching, um, whether, whatever the case may be. Uh, and they're using those people that are in charge of them because they have the resources to do it, to manage their body. Well, what if those people aren't around? How do you manage your body from that standpoint? And so again, my earlier career kind of formed and helped shape, evolve, disrupt my mindset to my current career is what can I do as a practitioner to put tools into people's toolbox so they can pick them up and use them for whatever the challenge may be in their body. Uh, and so that's what I do. I equipped, whether it be young, young athletes or I equipped collegiate athletes or professional athletes or, or guys and, and girls like us. Um, not that we're girls, but you know what I'm saying. And so, um, Miles, I to- Miles is wearing a skirt. It's okay. You can call him that too. <laughs> you, you got a problem with that? No, nope. no problem at all. I do. <laughs> I do. I, I probably do too. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um, is to put tools in it. So if it's an ankle issue that you're, you're being challenged with, what tools can I get? What list of things that I can get? What videos can I send you that you have a uh, prescription basically to address those issues? What are some funded fundamental principles that you can do each day in your morning routine or your nightly routine that help shut your body down and wake your body up? And really teaching, even at a young age, even if it's just one or two, I know it's one or two more than what they've had before. And if they apply mm. it over time, I know it'll make an impact. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I, Corey, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask this question. So recently, um, there was some research that came out that said that uh, in looking at, I can't remember what the number of cases of COVID it was, but uh, across all of these different cases of COVID, those that have uh, consistently been exercising over 120 minutes a week in vigorous exercise, so that was kind of the parameters, vigorous exercise over 120 minutes a week, um, had very few symptoms, if any. Um, if they did have any symptoms, they were the lowest population to go to the hospital and none of them died. And so the it almost seems like that the magic bullet of exercise, like we've talked about, and movement for years and years and years as a way to boost immunity, uh, has been proven once again against this novel virus. So talk about with getting people moving, what are some of the health benefits that you're seeing? And um, how, how do you quantify that in, in your process? Well, I will say this. Um, in general, and especially with COVID, a lot of people that used to go to work are no longer going to work. And mm-hmm. But at work, sometimes there may be things going on at work. I may go up and downstairs at work. I may walk around my desk at work. I may have a stand-up desk. I may be standing at my desk at work or whatever the case may be. And, and now most people are becoming professional sitters. And so when you sit 10, 8, 12 hours a day, of course, that's going to have a, a serious impact on your body. There's a book written by a, a physical therapist called Sitting is the New Smoking. Mm, um, yeah. and, <laughs> great, great book. <laughs> yeah. this, was great, this was written a while ago, 
Yep. Nevertheless, it's true. They're seeing all the same side effects of sitting as they did with smoking. Shortness of breath, lungs not being exercised, uh, difficulty moving around. Like a lot of the same symptoms that were coming up from cigarette smoking are actually happening to people who are professionals. I call them professional sitters because that's what they do for a career. So if you can break that monotony up and go get some vigorous exercise, there's a couple things that, that that does. One, opens up your lungs, it forces you to breathe. What do we know about COVID-19? It attacks respiratory issues, et cetera, et cetera. So if I'm sitting 16 hours a day and I'm not continuing to do that, and I've done that for over a year and a half, we're in year two now. If I've done that for over a year and a half, you better believe if I get exposed to something, that's really gonna impact me. Two, by getting outside and vigorously exercising, what am I exposing myself to? Vitamin D. Vitamin D mm-hmm. is huge. Even the famous, infamous Dr. Fauci himself has said on a, on a side, this doesn't make the mainstream media, but on a side note has said that, especially during the winter months, he supplements eight to 10,000 international units of vitamin D a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but that doesn't make mainstream media. Our taking care of our immune system gets a little blipping. Oh yeah, and by the way, you need to diet and exercise. You know, it's like the side effects of a drug at the end of the commercial. Right, right. Instead of the main focus. You know, if we would have put that at the forefront, how many lives could have we actually changed versus the fear-based thing that has been going on? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing that the, the solution's right in front of us, right? Right, it's right there with with vigorous exercise, with vitamin D, with movement yeah. and getting out and, and yeah. moving, especially in this time, right? Yeah. Like this time has created new challenges us for, for us as a human race. We have become more inactive, even though there's a group that have been active, but as a whole, we've become more inactive. Obesity has gone up, suicide's gone up. All these things are going up. ADD's going up, ADHD's going up. All these things are going mm. up. Yeah, we're not focusing on the solution a lot of the time, like what you talked about earlier, Miles, when we talk about the negative, what's the positive or what's the solution? Here's the problem. What's the solution? And the solution sitting right in front of us. Let's take advantage of it. I wonder yeah. why it is. Why? Why did? Why? I'm, I'm kind of perplexed as to why, like, we don't have commercials and 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 advertisements and all those things. With, with this focus, like I'm, it, it, it blows my mind that we don't do this, you know, like commercials about exercise and fitness and, you know, like, and if we do use them, it's to sell products that are killing us. It's because everybody wants to put a pill in their mouth that gets them there tomorrow. And then there's this 14 paragraph list of how it's going to kill you with side effects. We watch those commercials all day long. Yeah. But we don't yeah. we don't have the commercials. We don't have a grit commercial. We don't have a, right, a, a, grit a lifestyle yeah. fitness commercial, a disrupt commercial. We don't have those mm-hmm. things because that doesn't that takes that requires effort, requires energy, requires you have to actually get off your butt and do something. You have to make uh-huh. a conscious decision and you have to stick with it. No, that's hard. I don't want to do all this. Give me a pill. Just give me a pill. Can you or just a make mask. a pill? Or where am I? So that, that almost, but yeah. that sounds, it sounds like that from, and, and I, I get what you're saying, but it sounds like the, the people, it's, you're putting the onus on the people who are driving this. Yeah. Is it the advertisers who are 
feeding it to us. And all of a sudden, we because of actually, if we look at both, the people who are driving it, the advertisers who are driving it, and now we're in, we're in this loop. We're in this loop of figuring out how you get out of this. Well, yeah. people, don't, people don't stay with things because you go to a gym. If you're a member of a gym, just a traditional gym uh, here, here in Vegas, Las Vegas Athletic Club, there's, I don't know, 20 of them around the valley. And you go in there and you sign up and you, and you, and you stick with, you become a regular every year. I was, I was at LVAC for a long time, every year from January till maybe mid February, the place was right. packed. The place was yeah, packed. Yeah. And every then gym. from, and then from February 10th till December 31st, it was back just to the, like, it was regular. just the same old dudes, you know, same old yeah. guys. And, yeah. and and then January one it hit, bam! You got fifteen hundred new people, and it, you know, so no one wants to stick with it. No one wants to be long term. I don't say no one. The, the, there's a population out there that Corey referring to that says, "Can I just come work out for a week after Christmas and then be fine for nine months?" And, and they and they're those are the pill poppers. Those are the give me something that I can just drink or rub on my skin. Or, or a different, you know, one of those. Um, or how fast can I get my fast food? Yeah, those compression mm -hmm. shirts you wear under your shirt that tucks your belly in. Let me, get, let me, let me wear mm -hmm. that. You know, that's as a, ridiculous. As, as an ex unethical trader, I used to go, "Yes, you can." Then that'll be ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is a great question, though, for for me, Miles, and it, and it really, uh, like, I like your shirt. I really want one of those shirts, man. Uh, but it does help disrupt the thinking. Most people think, again, if we go back to my experience, that doctors are the gold standard. Well, let's talk about doctors real quick. And this is a known fact on two things. Nutritionally, doctors get two hours of education, basically, when they get into their whole doctor. So if a doctor goes on minimum eight years, maximum up to like 15, 16 years, just depending of education, they get two hours of nutritional education. Mm -hmm. Now I trust that guy or that female with my nutrition. You're crazy. Right. Right. Crazy. So that's one. But, and you're talking about education from a book though, too. I mean, that's the other thing that, I mean, a real life education. Yeah. I, I remember, um, just looking at some of these people who are creating these health decisions, you know, quote unquote health decisions for us at the beginning of the pandemic. And, Every single person, aside from Fauci, that I saw were overweight, if not morbidly obese. And I'm thinking, you're creating my health decisions? Not a chance in hell. <laughs> Come to my house. Let me cook for you. Let me yeah. put you through a workout. Let me teach yeah. you how to be healthy. Yeah. I don't right. need a mask. I've got yeah. an immune system that functions. Yeah, and these people exactly. at will, but I read this in a book, right? Your book's full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why don't you put it into practice, practice and figure yeah. out what true health is? Because yeah. I can tell you that if you do something over a period of time, you're going to get the results. Yeah. Right. Good and or bad. It also speaks to, though, the big pharma industry and not to yeah. get too crazy right. political, but I mean, this is a $9 trillion industry. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And so, unfortunately, right? If it doesn't make money, it doesn't make sense, right? There's, there's a little lyrical rap song with that. Like, yeah. don't make money, don't make sense. And so that's a big part of it. But I'm telling you, 
if we flip the programming, the psychology, if I get inundated, 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 inundated with stuff over like a two month period, I'm going to start to believe what I'm hearing, especially if that's the only source that I go to is the only source that I trust because mm -hmm. my doctors are my gold standard, et cetera, et cetera. And so guess what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start doing what they say to do because they're the gold standard. And, and that's just psychology. There's millions of books written on that specific thing. So you get people scared and then you get people to be able to do what you want them to do. That's called manipulation. Like think about that. Like you were saying, the, the unethical trainer, right? You were manipulating them. And then you got there's a lot of broke fat people in utah Thanks, yeah Miles. yeah right <laughs> we're gonna make a business card called the unethical trainer <laughs> the unethical trainer <laughs> well Corey, we're getting close to where we've got to wrap up but i got one more question for you so um just recently one of your former clients got inducted into the nba hall of fame um I, talk, talk about how that felt uh after having uh worked with uh kg so I and seeing him go in. Yeah, I worked with him for a couple off seasons, um, right in in that 2006, seven, and eight period of time. And man, that dude is. There's a reason why he's in the Hall of Fame. He is wired mm. differently than everybody else. And not that he's wired differently. He chose to wire himself differently than uh, everybody else. Good point. Else. Yeah. And That's a great point. And uh, there's a reason why he's had that success, man. I was very fortunate. He was a very intense dude, man. Very, very intense dude. Uh, I got a couple KG stories. I'll start with one. Uh, but basically, my intern had at post-workout, they go get their post-workout shakes, et cetera. My intern, who's a really good friend of mine right now and, and a leader in our, in our industry, but he, he puts uh, his shake up for KG. He made it, and then KG comes in, and, and Kevin Garnett would come in before everybody at, at like 8 o'clock. He would do his deal, and then these guys would come back and run in the afternoon. So he, he pretty much separated himself from a training standpoint until they all ran together on the court together at our facility. So he'd go through his training with me, come in. Then he'd go through his skills training. Then he'd go get his nutritional shake. He'd go home. He'd come back, and then he'd work out on the court with the rest of the guys. But as he's picking up that shake, my, my intern asked him, hey, KG, why, why do you come in? Why do you do things differently, basically? Why do you come in before everybody else? And he grabs the shake. And he doesn't say anything. And he walks to the door, which is about 100 feet away. And then as he's getting ready to go out the door, he pushes the door open. He turns back to my intern. And excuse my language, but he says, because I don't hang out with any mother effing riffraff. Period. Mm. He walked out the door. That's all he, said. he walked out the door. And what his point to that, as we started to get to know him more and more, is he didn't put himself in situations that were going to take away from his ability to be great. And he he minimized those situations, and it allowed him to be great. And be yeah, that's awesome. What a what a cool what a cool story. Well, and on that note, uh, it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. Corey, we uh, we want to thank you for hanging out with the uh, three mother effing riffraff. Uh, so we hope <laughs> we haven't brought you down today. Speak uh, for yourself, man. Hey, you're wearing a skirt. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, doesn't, that doesn't make me riffraff. That makes me genuine. 
That makes you riffy raffy. All right. Well, we want to thank right. our she her. <laughs> no, no, but we're not going my... there. I just <laughs> got a skirt on. That's all. Yeah. I'm still Miles, goddammit. The birthday boy Miles and uh, Mr. Sweaty Casey, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we've had a great conversation today, and we hope that you, our evolutionary listeners, took something with you that will help you on your personal evolution. Uh, Corey, what's the best way for people to follow you, get a hold of you, contact you if they want to get trained by you? How do they get a hold of Corey? Uh, they can get a hold of me through my email, which is to the number two kgoodwin0 at gmail.com. They can also get a hold of me through my Instagram handle, which is at CoreyGoodwin702. Um, and they can also get a hold of us and check out our website at gritlv.com. Gritlv.com. Great. And we'll hey, put all wait. that up in we the podcast notes. Before we sign off, Corey, I was looking at one of your videos where you had some seniors training and the bottom of the screen said 60 is the new 30 thank you very much my brother (laughs) says the 63 year old yes i am no i am 33 (laughs) oh good good well you're gonna have to come out to vegas and get in a video with Corey and see if that really works so let's go come on now i've got an old team fight anytime that's right. I love it. Casey, how do people stay connected with us at Evolve? Stay connected with us. Come join us on the journey. Everyone has an awesome story and come share with us as we learn and grow and evolve together. Come find us at uh, evolve-cast.com on our website and also on our Instagram handle at evolve underscore cast. Come uh, learn and grow and, and evolve with us. Right, and Miles, the new, newly minted 33-year-old. How do people look <laughs> as amazing as you, even though they might be a little bit older than you? Uh, God, Steve, I love when you talk dirty to me like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right now I am wearing the absolutely beautiful red Disrupt shirt which was actually endorsed earlier by our guest, our great guest, Corey Goodwin, was going to go right to our shop and pick up one. And you should just follow his lead. Get on over to the shop. We've dropped some new things. So go on, take a peek, pick up the big, beautiful red Disrupt shirt. It's a great fabric, and it says a lot about you. All right. And thanks uh, for listening to our listeners, our evolutionary listeners, to another episode of the Evolve Podcast, a podcast that challenges personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges that life throws at us. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. And evolve. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Evolve Podcast. Join us next week as we talk to the editor-in-chief of Experience Life magazine, Jamie Martin. That's next week on the Evolve Podcast.